0: Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Well, hello, everybody. And you might be wondering, what's what's going on today with Marcia, Because I just like read something on Facebook that she doesn't have a guest, and so she's her own guest, and the answer is... Bingo, you are correct. Unfortunately, my guest was unable to join me today, and I honestly didn't even know that until I read that email last night. So I thought, well, what am I going to do? So I thought, well, I could do nothing, or I could do something else. And that is, how about if I do, as opposed to a dialogue a monologue where I am going to be the guest on my show. Fancy that. So many of you do know me, and you've known me for a very long time. Others of you may not know my backstory or a lot about me, and so this is your opportunity to get to know a bit about me. So I'm going to share what I can about myself, I'm not taking any calls, so I must say if somebody called in on a phone number I recognize, I'd probably pick it up. Otherwise, I don't take call-ins. So, let's talk about who I am. So, I was born and raised in Westchester. Westchester, not in New York. Westchester is a small community within the city of Los Angeles. It's right by uh, LAX, and perhaps you caught my broadcast um, last week. Oh, actually, it was a couple of weeks ago with my brother Larry. Um, I'm, I'm a couple years older than him, and we talked about what it was like growing up in Westchester and what it was like being siblings and what it was like being raised in our family and going to school and just our whole life experience. And there were there were several crossovers that we both experienced together. Um, but I'm going to be telling you about me right now. So, I grew up in Westchester, I went to 98th Street School, I went to Airport Junior High School, and then I graduated from Westchester High School in 1967. Where Larry and I grew up is no longer a community. It is where one of the largest car rental agencies are in the country and parking, and they will have a people mover that will literally take people from my neighborhood Up and over Aviation, which was by my house, over Century Boulevard, which is getting closer to the airport and into the airport in a people mover. It's pretty dramatic what's happened in that area, but that's that's where I grew up, and I did go to Westchester. I didn't go on to college. I actually went to work at the Broadway department store, which was what we called, if I went uptown to Westchester that was the department store that was there and i worked in the toy department and you could only wear gray, black or white and you couldn't wear pants just like you couldn't wear pants when i was in high school my mother made all my clothes because you had to wear you couldn't wear pants to school back in those days and after working in the toy department for just a short time i went across the street basically to the bank of america where I worked there for a couple of years, surprisingly in bookkeeping, and I couldn't add to save my soul, but they had machines that did that for you. And I took uh, business machines as a class at Westchester, so I became fairly familiar, but I was never a teller. And then ultimately, I got a job at Hughes Aircraft for a short time, and that's where I was working. But in um, 1969... I moved in with a friend of mine living in Hawthorne, which ironically is where my daughter and her son or her husband live today. And I moved in with Bonnie in 1969. Uh, I kind of really crashed into her, frankly, because she was living there and it was a single, wasn't even a bedroom, but I wanted to move out of the house. And so she was gracious enough to let me just come to her place. Well, it turns out this is also where this tall, skinny guy, that drove a brand-new yellow MGC was also living he was living in the same building with his by bio- a with a biological brother of his fraternity brother he went by the name of Butch that's how I knew his name although his given name was actually Walter and people that knew him on a professional level called him Walt and I had to walk past his apartment to get to my apartment. And he always let the front door open. And at dinner time, it always smelled so good because his door was open and I could smell whatever he was cooking. Aha! That was the beginning of something, right? Um, Butch had just graduated from the University of Detroit, a Jesuit college in Detroit. And moved to Hawthorne so he could be closer to his job as an electrical engineer at Hughes Aircraft he actually started in Culver City which is now where Google is headquartered frankly we started dating and after about a year or so I proposed because I don't know what you know about engineers but he wasn't going to ask because he didn't talk a lot I was a talker big surprise right and so he said, yes, Of course he said, yes, he loved me. I loved him. So in nineteen seventy one, we were married, and it was a very interesting background to that. I was raised in a Jewish household, although we were not we were culturally Jewish. He was raised in a Catholic household, although they didn't really I, I think his parents were more observant than he was. but needless to say, he was Catholic, I'm a Jew. We're going to get married. So who's going to marry us? I don't want to get married by a justice of the peace. I I wanted to get married, you know, I wanted a wedding. And so what happened was we walked over to Loyola Marymount University, which is just a few blocks from my house, and met with a Jesuit priest there. The Jesuits is a very Reformed um, uh, part of of the Catholic Church. And the only way he could marry us is if I signed... A piece of paper that said i understand the expectation is that catholics expect to raise their children catholic he said and you need to sign this in order for me to marry you i said well okay he said so if by signing this all you are saying is you understand that this is an expectation it does not say it is a requirement marcia so i thought all right That'll work. And so, all right, so now i got to find a rabbi. So we did some Internet searching, and sure enough, we found a very, very reformed rabbi. And this rabbi, Sanderson, and our, and the priest, they married us at a hall. We had a chuppah, and if you're Jewish, or maybe if you're not, but you might be familiar with that, it's an arch that has flowers around it. Jewish people also break a glass at a wedding. They put it in with a napkin underneath it, and you, the husband stamps on it, and everybody says "Mazel Tov." And we did that too. So we had a lovely wedding. Um, I I married into the most remarkable family. I I just I just love this family of butchers, and um, so we were married in 1971. And um, in 1973, we bought the house that I am currently living in right now, still in Westchester. And my, our son Dave was born in 1974, and Julie was born in 1977. And I was very fortunate to be what we called back in those days a stay-at-home mom. And I, I became very active in PTA, in Little League, in Scouts, and my kids graduated from Westchester High as well as I did. And I'm a sports person. We were sports people and Westchester High had an outstanding basketball team that we followed. We we Butch and I went to the games and I followed these young men as they followed meaning um, on the internet. I followed these young men as they went on to play college ball and sweet Six, sweet 16 and Fly, and elite 8 and I mean I really knew who these young men were and and I and I love that and I mean I really did love sports a lot okay so we're talking about sports so Butch and I had a really wonderful marriage of nearly 38 years but I knew him for 40 and As I mentioned, I loved his Detroit family. I, I still quote his mom today. She made such an indelible impression on me. And here was the message, one of the many messages that I got from her. It was Christmas time. We were in Detroit. One of the grandchildren was passing out envelopes to the adults. And I opened up this envelope. And, oh, my God, there was a $100 bill in there. And I went, oh, no, 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 that, that's too much. I, 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 can't, I can't take this. And she, my mother-in-law was a woman of few words, similarly to my husband. And she said, Marcia, this was a gift. And rather than say no, 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 all you really need to say is thank you. Just say thank you. And as we talked about this afterwards, the message that she taught me, and which I share with other people as well, is that if somebody does something that's kind for you, whether it's a gift, whether it's something, whatever that might be, their level of kindness to you, if you say, oh, no, you didn't need to do that, in many ways, you are now insulting them by saying, oh, no, no, you shouldn't have done that. That That isn't how you respond to an act of kindness. If you don't want to go into why you are so grateful, that's fine. But saying thank you is the appropriate response. And I have never forgotten that message because it was so embedded in me. And because we spent so much time in Detroit with the kids. Because we were spending Hanukkah at my house getting on an airplane and going to Detroit for Christmas, we spent a lot of time in Detroit. We would spend two weeks at Christmas time and we would spend two weeks around the Fourth of July. So four weeks out of the year as an adult I lived with my in laws and I I just love them so much and it's so funny because my father in law and my dad had the same birth date. They were, they were three years apart in age, but January 3rd was their birthday. To this day, I Zoom, not with that camera we all think about, because that's how I think of Zoom, with my nephew, Paul, his wife, Jennifer, and my niece, Karen. Every Sunday, we Zoom. They're still in Michigan. And my son, Dave, and his wife, Eva, we do this every Sunday. Um. So I mentioned Dave. So Dave and Eva live in Tucson with their two doggies, and my daughter Julie and her husband Morris live in Hawthorne with their two kitties. So I have fur babies. And as I mentioned, Butch and I really loved sports. We became Dodgers season ticket holders with three other families back in 1986. In fact, one of the families, Nick, was Dave's Little League coach. We all live here in Westchester, and we've all been friends for a very, very long time, and we all have two children. So we had four seats when we first started our Dodger season tickets. But as things progressed and our children moved on, and we ended up with still four seats, but we had um, eight adults. So there were um, for families, two adults in each. Um, ten years after Butch and I became Dodger season ticket holders, we became original season ticket holders for the WNBA Sparks. Yes, that's true. And they played initially at the at the Forum. Then it was called the Great Western Forum, and ultimately they did move to the Staples Center, where they continue to play today. I will never not call the Staples Center the Staples Center. It will always be the Staples Center to me. So we were seasoned ticket holders. We sit around all of our friends at the Sparks game, and that's what we do. Butch was very involved with his fraternity brothers that went to to the University um, um, of Detroit, And he, ironically, just today on Facebook, Jimmy, one of his fraternity brothers and I, had a word on instant message because that's just how it works in my life. But sadly and ironically, Butch had just come home from spending a week with his fraternity brothers in Florida, and he came home on a Tuesday, and Wednesday we went to the first two games of the Pac-10 basketball tournament. It wasn't the a Pac-12 then, at the Staples Center. We went out for dinner. We watched the two games. And the next day on Thursday, we were scheduled to go to four games. And the University of Arizona was playing Arizona State. And so we were all decked out in U of A clothing. And my do- our daughter went to UCLA, and they were playing USC later. I think game three or game four. I don't really recall. So we were all set to go. Drove to the Staples Center. We were. If for those of you that have ever been there, we were in the top bowl. I think we were four rows from the ceiling. We were way up at the top, facing the court. So we were sort of center. So that made it kind of nice. And so we were there to root on U of A. After we had gone out for breakfast, we had gone out for breakfast and Butch and I drove to the Staples Center. But something happened that was unexpected for everyone concerned. Butch went and sat down in our seats and I was talking to the mom and daughter in seats one and two of our row. And Butch was sitting in seat nine. And the lady's talking to me, and we're talking about U of A because they're wearing U of A gear. And it's like, I'm wearing U of A gear. Oh, my son works at U of A, blah, blah, blah. That's the way I do life. The lady looks across over my shoulder, and she said, I think there's something wrong with your husband. And so I turned around, and this big guy, now he's not this tall, skinny guy anymore. He's he's still 6'3", but he's 250. He's a big guy. He his head is bent over, he is gurgling, and I'm going, Oh my God, what's happening? And there were just so happened there were two off duty fire department paramedics sitting right behind him, hands on either side of his neck, yelling out, Call nine one one, call nine one one. Well, of course there's paramedics at a sporting event, but we were way up at the top, so they didn't get there instantly. And I'm shaking him and going, Butch, what's wrong? and, And he's not talking. And I don't know what the hell is going on, except that this gurgling sound is happening, and I'm thinking, this can't be good. So it took six guys to lift him up, put him on a gurney, down the elevator, right around the corner to the hospital. They're doing everything they can to bring him back to life. They really were. There was no doubt in my mind. But. That didn't help. So I'm at this hospital. I don't even know where I am. And I called my daughter, and I said, she said, why are you calling me in the middle of the day? I said, well, it's about Dad. I said, I'm at the hospital, and this doesn't look good. I don't even know the name of the hospital I'm at. She says, I'm on my way. She doesn't know where I am. So we hang up. And fortunately for me, she was coming from Westlake Village, so she was coming south from where she was working. And I went to the hospital. I said, I don't know where I am. So I called her back, and I said, can you please tell her precisely where I am located? So now she knows where she's going. We hang up. And I'm waiting, and I'm anxious, and I don't know what's going on. And the doctor comes out, and he says, I'm sorry, we're working so very hard to regulate your husband's life and we are not having any success. And I must tell you, I don't call it bravery. I just call it knowing. And I looked straight at this doctor's face and I said, is he breathing on his own? And he said, no, he's not. I said, unplug him. That's what I said. I said, unplug him. He was without oxygen for who knows how long before you started trying to help him. He would not want to survive this way. You don't think you're going to be able to save him. Don't put him through this. Please, be kind. Let him go. That is what he would want. Now, you might think that was brave. Honestly, I didn't feel that it was brave. I just knew that it was what he was what he would have wanted. And you know, it's 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 kind of an interesting story about this because we were a TV family and back in the days there was a show that was called Quantum Leap. And perhaps you remember that. It starred Scott Bakula and Dean Stockwell. And the the premise of that show was Dean Stockwell would find these situations. They were either funny or not funny or whatever they were, I can't recall. But Scott Bakula literally leaped into, that's the quantum leap, into this person's body and he then lived out the situation to correct what was ever going on. Well, I can tell you, that's what happened to me. I literally believe that quantum leaped. I wish you could see my hands because I'm starting at my head and I'm just moving my hand down my body. I felt Butcher's presence come within me and saying to me, Marsha, I didn't mean to leave you, but it is what it is now he lived very simply by that advice that that lifestyle it is what it is that is such an engineer way of looking at life i on the other hand don't have that personality and i would say yeah but and he would say no it is what it is period adapt and that information was in me now and I had to adapt. Imagine how difficult that was for me to call my children and say, something really sad has happened, and I'm so sorry. And the, and the interesting thing, after the autopsy, and they ruled the cause of death, they said he died of sudden cardiac arrest. And I said, well, I don't know what that is. And the the coroner said, it's different than a heart attack, Marsha. There's no pain associated. A heart attack hits your heart and you have pain in your heart. Your husband, if you could visualize it this way, is like a dimmer switch. I thought, oh, the irony, the dimmer switch, the electrical engineer. Okay. And it starts in the brain. And it literally just closes the body down slowly, painlessly, until the body is no longer breathing. I thought, wow, okay. So that's what happened. We gathered as a family, which was buried at Hillside Memorial Cemetery, which frankly in the days when my family was all buried there was strictly for Jews. But many Jews are not married to Jews, and there's no way I was going to ship him back to Detroit. So their 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 protocol changed, and so Butch is buried in the hillside, which is where I will go someday. But let's hope way out into the future. But it is where my parents are, and my aunts and uncles and cousins. And so now I'm trying to adjust to this new lifestyle, and I have a. And I have a friend that was also a widow prior to me. And she said to me, Marcia, never say no to an invitation. I said, hmm, I'm not exactly sure what that means. But I started getting invited to do things. I got invited to go to the movies on a Thursday. I never did that. My friend Ria that I play Mahjong with invited me to go to the Hollywood Bowl with her. That was fun. And I just started doing more. And I was traveling in those days um, to New England quite a bit and visiting with friends that were there. And then my friend Shelly, who worked for Loyola Marymount back in those days, um, was working in the executive MBA office. And one year to the passing of Butch, she had invited me to travel with her and the EMBA students to... Um, Peru. And that began eight years of international travel. Thanks to Shelley, I have been all over the world. Costa Rica, Greece, Europe, um, Turkey, um, Brussels, I mean uh, uh, Vietnam. And our last location was in Africa, in South Africa, which was an unbelievable experience. So I am fortunate, and I do want you to know that I am fortunate. But I was constantly being invited to do things, and I thought, you know what? Maybe I need to be the invitee. And so I invited all my Sparks buddies for dinner. And I had I had, had two tickets to the, the season was just about to begin when Butch died. So I had a, I had friends that I took with me to Sparks Games, and they went with me. And then I was down to just the one ticket. And so all these women walk into my kitchen, and one of my friends said, Oh, my God. And she's looking around at my beautiful kitchen, and she said, Wow. And I said, I know. All that's missing is the chef because, I mean, I have the dream kitchen because Butch loved it. I was more than happy to let him do so. And that's when she told me about a talk radio show that she was producing really just a couple miles from my house with a chef. In fact, it's at that building, L.A. Talk Live building, that used to be the movie theater that I went to when I was a teenager called the Paradise Movie Theater. It also is the location of the Chamber of Commerce where I am a member. And so she invited me to come and be a guest on this man's show. And I thought, really? What am I going to talk about? Well, she said you can just, you can talk about food, you can talk about whatever you'd like. It will be it will be easy for you. I think it'll be I think you'll enjoy it. And so, thanks to Deb, I said yes, and she said, "Oh my gosh, you need to have your own show." And that's how it started, thanks to my buddy Deb Blaine. Deb she said, "Let's start you off as a blogger." You need to you need to build an audience. So let's start you off by blogging. I had never written a blog. I talk, you know, and so I started writing a blog. My first one was written on November the third, two thousand and thirteen, and I continued to write a blog. And you'll be you can see it on my website, com. and. And, and I, start, I started writing this blog, and I loved photography. So I'd take pictures of the birds, took pictures of when I traveled. I took pictures of all kinds of things that I really enjoyed. And then she said, okay, I think you're ready. Let's get you into the studio. So on April the 13th, which was a Monday of 2015, I did my first live audio-visual show in the L.A. Talk Live studio. My guest was, my first guest was Gwen Vuches. Gwen is in Rotary with me. Gwen is in the chamber with me. Her daughter was my brownie and brownies. And Christina Davis was the other guest. She is the chamber president at the time. And she also went to Westchester High, and we worked at the Y together. We. I'm a connector, as you can tell as you listen to this. And there were a lot of moving parts that I was not familiar with in broadcasting, of course. But Deb, as my producer, really helped tremendously. And she helped me get guests, and she helped me do all of these things, and the technology behind all of this. Because back in the day when I was in the studio, we had YouTube, Some of my YouTubes are still available today. Many are not. I would say most are not. There was a lot of music associated when I did my show, and depending upon the music rights today, they may not still be available. But this is when enters Tia Raglin. Tia is a blessing in my life. She had recently graduated from college And because I was shopping at J. Jill, looking for cute clothes to take on a trip, I met her mom, Susie. And I just started talking about what I was doing. And she says, you know, my daughter, Tia, just graduated from college. I bet you she could help you out as an intern. I thought, well, all right. Let's let's meet her. Enter Tia. Tia came to all my broadcasts. She was there as total support to help me for each and every production. And she is with me. Hear when I say that. She is still with me. When I started back in 2015, what does she do for me today? She posts on Instagram. I don't even know if there was Instagram back in those days. I'm not familiar with it. But I don't have to worry about posting on my Instagram Because born to talk, all lowercase, B-O-R-N-T-O-T-A-L-K, Tia takes care of that for me. She posts three days a week. Do I love her? Yes. You bet I do. And there have been so many people that have been on this journey with me. As you might imagine, all these years later, I kind of went back and counted the individual guests that have been with me. Now, I'm not counting if you've been with me twice, but individually, I counted 466 people have joined me on my either in the studio or as a podcaster. Now, luckily for me, I have um, publicists that reach out and send me guests because that's another wonderful way of me, you know, being involved. What happened was the studio had to close. And I wasn't given very much notice, like less than a week. But I went from being in the L.A. Talk Live studio to being a podcaster on Blog Talk Radio. And I might also mention at this point Ferran Dozier. Ferran was in the L.A. Talk live studio just as i was and he did the um music he did he was behind the scenes he did all of the musical side of 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 this and he was faced with the same situation and he's the one that told me about blog talk radio and he's the one that got on a bus came to my house across the city and helped me set up blog talk radio He still is a podcaster. He is a genuine hero to so many because one of the things he talks about is sickle cell. And it's really important for Ron Dozier. I will make sure that I include his name when I write my follow-up. So here I am, right? Now I'm, I'm doing podcasting every single week. And I've got to come up with guests. Now, I'm very, very active in my community. I'm involved in the Playa Venice Sunrise Rotary. I belong to the LAX Coastal Chamber of Commerce, and I am now the outgoing honorary mayor of that group. In fact, my official term has just come to a conclusion. Imagine that, the honorary mayor And I'm still a volunteer at the Westchester YMCA where I worked for 10 years while my kids are in college. And I'm just in the market this week. And this lady says, I know you. You used to work at the Y. Well, yes, that's right. I did. And I might also mention I'm working on my high school class reunion. That's going on right now as well. But there are people that I want to acknowledge and thank. And one of them is Devin Blaine. Devin Blaine has her own, she's a publicist, and she has a wonderful company. In fact, Devin actually joined me on my podcast as a guest um, the beginning of 2021. We had never met. We had only recently met in the last few months. But Devin and her team have sent me the most remarkable clients, mainly authors also non profits, which I really do love supporting the nonprofit world. I do. I, I like working in the nonprofit world. But Devon has been a huge impact on my life. Now when I say I was born to talk, I gotta tell you when I was a kid I got in trouble for that. I was always grounded because I talked too much. Oh well, that's just what I did. But my tagline really defines me when I say conversations plus connections equals community. What's your story? Not what's your story, but what's your story? Honestly, I don't think I've ever met a stranger, and this happens to me all the time. Just yesterday, I walked over to the campus of Loyola Marymount University, which is just a few blocks from my house. And there was a lady standing out there, and she was looking at this statue of Hank Gathers because he was um, a basketball player at at, at LMU, and he was a superstar. And he died very unexpectedly from a heart condition. And she hadn't been back on the campus to actually see this statue because she's the same age as my son. And she had graduated from, I think she said, 25 years ago, from LMU, and she was just decided that she would go and visit this campus. And so she's standing there, and she's looking at this. And so of course, Marsha being Marsha, I started a conversation with her, and we just started talking. This, this talking ended up being us walking around the campus because she hadn't been on the campus in over 10 years. Me pointing out different parts of the campus because I've been walking that campus forever. They just reopened it two weeks ago since the pandemic, so we can we can now enter the campus and walk around that beautiful campus of LMU. And she had not seen all of the changes that had been made. And it was kind of a hot and sunny day, and uh, I think she did have some water with her. Anyway, her name is Kathleen, and so we just started walking and talking, and I said, would you like to sit down? She said, well, yeah, so we sit down, and we start talking, so I've already identified the fact that she's the same age as my kid. She's told me about her Catholic family. She's told me about the fact that her father died when she was 12. That's really sad. Her mother never remarried six children some tragedies in that household as well. And so we're sitting there and we're talking and we're looking at the overview and I had mentioned that, you know, I went to Westchester High and and that my kids went to Westchester High. And she said, that's so interesting. She said, because my mom's best friend taught at Westchester High, Nancy Sands. And I'm going, Nancy Sands, wow, what does she teach? Well, she taught art and English. I said, I know that name. I, I know that name. I was that parent that was involved in the schools. So, of course, I knew that name. And so as we continued to walk around and just exchange similarities and those that were not similar, I got a new best friend. And I loved it. And when people ask me, well, what is your podcast all about? And, they, and I get that question a lot. Well, what's your podcast about? I have a very straightforward answer. It's about the remarkable guests I've had each week. And I'm about inclusion. I don't tackle things that divide us. I'm t- I have guests that want to do something to make the world better, whether it's their book, whether it's their nonprofit. It's sharing the positivity that my guests believe in. And I just want to mention a couple of these people to you right now. I thought, oh, I'm never going to fill an hour. Of course I am. What was I thinking? So I'd like to mention Russell Buschetto and his son Simon. They joined me in the studio over four years ago when Cy was nine years old And we talked about the the nonprofit that they had started, Share Hope USA. And what Share Hope USA does is they advance the common good through showing the act of kindness, compassion, and empathy to all. Their focus is on homelessness, sick and injured kids, and educating youth about the importance of giving back to their community. That started because Sai saw a man standing at a freeway exit with a sign that said he was hungry. And he looked at his dad. He said, dad, we need to do something. That's how it started. That's how Simon has been raised. It's inside him. That is how his father is. That is how his mother is. That is how he is. And that is how his sister is. So. We we actually started by providing food in the area that I grew up in that is now the area that I described earlier where the airport has all of this property because this was, at this point, airport property, but only homeless were living there. It was an encampment. There were tents. There were motorhomes. There were people that worked. There were people that didn't work. But we went there every month, and we fed the homeless. And my friend Leah McKinney Buckley who I've known since junior high, she joined me and we went every week and we brought water and we brought food and they brought in a barber so that these folks could get their hair cut. And he brought in a dog groomer so that the dogs could have their nails clipped and their hair groomed. And we walked the streets that I grew up in saying, how can we help you? You start learning the names of these folks Many of them had a drug issue. They were getting help. They are still supporting Share Hope USA today, except that now they are doing it in Oregon, where they have moved. They do Play-Doh drives. I mean, I can get so emotional about this. They do Play-Doh drives to take Play-Doh to kids in hospitals. It is unbelievable what this family does. I, I mean that. It's just, it's incredible. The name of their website is sharehopeusa.com. Look it up. I also want to tell you about another guest. His name is Yuri Williams. When I met Yuri, he was just this kid. He's kind of a punk. I'm going to be honest with you. He was a teenager playing basketball at the Y, and he was a little bit out of control. In fact, many times he was a lot a bit out of control. And at one point, I had to kick him out. I said, I'm sorry, you, just, you can't bring that into the gym. You, 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 you have to leave. Well, years later, Yuri and I reconnected. And he said that that was a defining moment in his life, as he looks back all these years later. His mother was a probation officer. Yuri is a probation officer. And after his mother died, he knew he had to dedicate himself to something. And now Yuri is known as a superhero. And he started an incredible nonprofit called afuturesuperhero.com. He dresses up like Spider-Man. And he goes across the entire United States, every single state, and goes to hospitals and visits sick kids or visits homeless people and just brings joy to their life. His mother would be so proud of Yuri. I am so proud of Yuri. Yuri has also been a guest on my show. He is a remarkable man, truly, truly remarkable. I recommend that you look him up. And the last thing I want to talk about now is where I am today. I I want to talk about my good friend, Deanna Courtney. I met Deanna and her husband, Brian, also while I was a member of the YMCA. And, you know, when you lead a very active life, as I do, you need to carve out some me time we all need to do that we don't all do it well and we all have to do it in our own way i used to say i take my camera for a walk because i love to do that but deanna is a yoga instructor and every tuesday might be taco tuesday for you but it's yoga it's yoga (laughs) oh my goodness i get so choked up about this but it's yoga tuesday for me when I first started yoga several years ago, pre-camp pandemic, it was in the church fellowship hall near my house. Once the pandemic hit, they had to pivot also. Now I take a class every Tuesday from 1.30 on a Zoom call where we can see her, she can she can see us. I, I, I just have her on speaker, only, only hearing her, but she can see all of us on the class, so she needs to tell us to make an adjustment, we can. And anybody can take the class. She's actually going to take her first vacation for as long as I can remember and will be gone for the next two weeks. But I invite you to go to live. It looks like it says live, but we call it live, L i v e yogawellness.com I'll make sure you see that. And check out what they offer, because you can live anywhere. And yoga has really calmed me down. It has taught me how to breathe. It's taught me how to take care of myself physically, but equally, and importantly, spiritually. And it's also the words that she uses, one of them being, without judgment. And that is vitally important to me because I spend my time sometimes judging myself and when I hear myself I say to myself stop stop what you're doing so I had no idea this morning that this was going to be how my day was going to turn out I did decide to pivot I decided what was I going to do uh, And, you know, when I think of pivot, you know, I think of a basketball term, frankly. But, um, and I I didn't know how this was going to work out. I, I didn't know how much time I would share nor what I was going to tell you about in listening to this show and my adventure. But there is more to come. And while this show certainly didn't happen today, I have my shows booked with the exception of July 4th. I'm booked way ahead of time. Of course I am. I don't want to wait till tomorrow to see who my guest is going to be. I plan for this. And, of course, I need social media. So if you haven't, well, first of all, you, you probably do follow me on Facebook. I do have a Facebook page. And my personal Facebook page is Marsha, but it also includes my maiden name, which is Berger. B-E-R-G-H-E-R, Waitaka, W-I-E-T-E-C-H-A. So that's my personal Facebook page. I also have a Born to Talk Facebook page. I have Twitter, and my Twitter page is Born with the number two talk radio, Born the number two talk radio, I'm on LinkedIn as Marsha Witeka, and thanks to my of the Terrific, I call her triple T, of the Terrific, I have Born to Talk on Instagram. And if you love podcasts, I'm on every podcast app there is. If you have a smartphone, I mean if you have, a, a, an I, I, I might have said that incorrectly, if you have a, an iPhone, podcast is one of the embedded apps on your phone. You can just go there. Type in Born to Talk Radio Show and you'll see my sweet little face and you can subscribe. It's carried on iTunes. You can go to Apple Podcasts, which is what I think Google uses. You can go to Spotify, iHeart, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And just type Born to Talk Radio Show in your search engine because then you can listen to my shows. When this show is over, I will embed the audio link and it will be sent to all of those locations. So as we say goodbye, as I say goodbye because we aren't here together, although I feel that you're here, let me ask you, do you have a story to tell? Do you? Because honestly, I believe we all have stories to tell. Some are personal, some are not. Some people are very introverted and say, that's about the last thing in the world I want to do. But if you are somebody that has a story to share, I want to share it. That's what I do. That is the gas in my tank each and every week. There's not a podcast without a guest. Well, I guess there was today, but I don't intend to do this again because I've just spent almost an hour telling you everything you ever wanted to know about me and more. So I certainly hope that you take advantage of this offer. You can, you can send me an email at Marsha. So I'll say at. You can send me an email, Marsha at born to talkradioshow.com. Once again, Marsha at born to talk radio show dot com and you can send me an email I hope you visit my website you can subscribe there then you can get my newsletter every month I drop a newsletter the first of every month I would love to add you to that subscription that subscription is a recap of all of the shows that I've had in the month in this case June and who will be joining me in the month of July so I'm going to say thank you. I'm grateful. I mean that so sincerely. I am grateful for my life. I am fortunate to have wonderful friends, wonderful connections, and a life of abundance. So now what I think I might want to do is take a walk outside. Not necessarily on the wild side, but you never know. I wonder who I will meet today. I'll have to keep you posted. But for now, I'm going to say goodbye. And thank you once again for joining me on the Born to Talk radio show. Bye for now, everybody.